In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here. That you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. On this important anniversary, we begin our prayer this time of prayer with a powerful insight from blessed John Henry Newman. Great saints, great events, great privileges, like the everlasting mountains, grow as we recede from them. Speaking of great events and great saints, today marks that moment 90 years ago, when the Lord showed Opus Dei to the young Jose Maria Escriva. It happened in an instant, while Jose Maria was making his yearly retreat in Madrid. He was all of 26 years old. He fell to his knees, dazzled by all that God had just shown him. Our desire today is not simply to celebrate this milestone in the history of Opus Dei, but to learn from the operating system of this faithful instrument of God's providence. Back in 1992, Jose Maria was beatified by St. John Paul II. And during a Mass of Thanksgiving for that event, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger made reference to the long period of preparation prior to that day, 90 years ago today. The fact is that 10 years had been spent by Jose Maria begging for light to see what God wanted of him. Cardinal Ratzinger said the following, Jose Maria Escriba realized very early on that God had a plan for him that he wanted something from him, but he did not know what it was. How could he find the answer? Where should he seek it? He set out to search, above all, by listening to the word of God, sacred scripture. He read the Bible not as a book of the past, nor as a book of problems to be argued about, but as a word for the present that speaks to us today, a word in which each of us is the protagonist, and we need to seek our place in it to find our path. Well, this is the first lesson for us today, the marvels that can happen when we listen deeply to God in our prayer, without distractions or interruptions, as each of us is trying to do right now. A clear resolution is to protect our times of prayer ferociously, doing whatever it takes to ensure our undivided attention 
And this will not be easy, given the many sources of distraction these days. But it is important. From the moment Jose Maria saw what God was asking from him, he set to work with extraordinary magnanimity. This word magnanimity is a word that we do not use every day. But it is of the utmost importance for us in our quest to build the church and society. St. Josemaria offers us a description of this virtue in one of the homilies in Friends of God, where he says, Magnanimity means greatness of spirit, a largeness of heart where many can find refuge. Magnanimity gives us the energy to break out of ourselves and be prepared to undertake generous tasks that will be of benefit to all. What a powerful thought for us, a powerful reality to pass along to our young ones. Here we are right now, praying for the upcoming Synod on Young People, Faith and Discernment. What better things could we wish for them than this greatness of spirit, this largeness of heart, where many can find refuge? We ask the Holy Spirit in our own prayer to flood the souls of many with a genuine craving for great and noble ambitions and adventures. Just think, the energy to break out of ourselves and be prepared to undertake generous tasks that will be of benefit to all. How haunting, how, how attractive is this virtue. And what a necessary antidote to our tendency to be inward looking. In fact, we ask our Lord right now, spontaneously, my Jesus, I want this virtue. In that same homily, St. Josemaria continues, Magnanimous persons devote all their strength unstintingly to what is worthwhile. As a result, they are capable of giving themselves. They thus come to understand that the greatest expression of magnanimity consists in giving oneself to God. This message, the message of knowing how to devote all our strength to what is worthwhile, is a much-needed antidote to our tendency to hedge our bets, to keep all options open. You might recall how Jose Maria, borrowing a phrase from the world of gambling, said, we have to learn how to put everything on that one card, the card of the love of God. Everything we own, say, there it is, Jesus. I'm going to pursue what you want without hedging my bets, without holding back. 
That is the key to heroism. That is the key to greatness. To devote all our strength unstintingly to what is worthwhile. And so we ask the Holy Spirit right now to show us with greater clarity than ever what it is that is truly worthwhile in our lives. Or to put it in another way, what are God's plans for our lives, for my life? That is what will be worthwhile. All the rest is distraction. Magnanimity provides focus. As we read just a few minutes ago, it gives us the energy to break out of ourselves and to be prepared to undertake generous tasks that will be of benefit to all. Without this virtue, this greatness of spirit, it is all too easy to become discouraged or bogged down by difficulties, by a negative atmosphere, or by a tidal wave of bad news in the media. This is why we can learn so much from St. Josemaria. Consider the early days of Opus Dei. When he found himself with just a handful of followers working hard to set up the first student residence of Opus Dei, Around him, the social fabric of Spain was disintegrating into chaos. Anyone else in his position would have given up. But he simply could not take his eyes off the endeavor that God had placed in his hands. Two brief anecdotes illustrate this remarkable attitude. The first one is from October 2nd, 1934. On that day in 1934, Jose Maria joyfully celebrated the sixth anniversary of Opus Dei's founding. He had finally succeeded in starting the first center of Opus Dei, a student residence. To celebrate the sixth anniversary, Jose Maria went around blessing the unfinished rooms of the residence, his heart bursting with great dreams. Early in the ceremony, the lights went out. So he and the students finished the job by candlelight. For the following three days, Father Escriba did not dare leave the building because snipers lurked above on the lookout for priests and nuns to shoot. We need that kind of story because we will never experience anything even just in the shadow of that kind of difficulty. And yet with our imagination, we just picture this, this young 32-year-old priest who, who did not let those difficulties slow him down even a little bit. Two years later, March 1936, a new wave of violence swept through Madrid. The assassination of priests and religious had begun, and churches were being put to the torch. 
Father Josemaria wrote the following. People are full of worries. Humanly speaking, they have reason to be afraid. But we, no matter what happens, will always be full of faith and confidence. No matter what happens, what was his secret? We turn to all the great people of history and just say, what was your secret that you would not allow these difficulties to slow you down? In the case of Father Jose Maria, his secret was an overwhelming sense of being a child of God and the confidence and boldness that this reality entails. St. Paul had written, if God is with us, who can be against us? What about moments of difficulty? Magnanimous people know how to stay the course. How to keep forging ahead regardless. It all begins with our own daily fight for sanctity. In fact, the remedy for everything is personal sanctity. Now, if we want to use something that we can imagine, we can put on blinders, the way they put blinders on horses to help them stay the course, so to speak. Blinders in the sense that even if all sorts of things are happening around us, threatening to distract us, we don't pay attention to them. If everyone around us is moaning and groaning about whatever, or distracted by other things, we, thanks to our life of prayer, we know what we want, where we're headed, and we will not be slowed down. We want to enter into the holiness, to respond to that call to holiness that our Father God has extended to us. As you know, St. Josemaria died in June of 1975. Earlier that year, he preached a meditation that reflected the difficult moments that the church was undergoing the, during those years. We can easily apply his considerations to any moment in history. Because in that meditation that he gave just months before his death, he said, you and I, what are we going to do? Seriously, what are we going to do? What we're going to do is to struggle interiorly to ensure that with God's grace, the outcome of each skirmish is always a small victory. And that is how we will contribute to the peace of the world. This is a message that he had been delivering from the very beginnings saying to those students 
in the early, the late 1920s, early 30s, don't get distracted. Study really hard. Concentrate. There's one anecdote that is extraordinary along these lines. Speaking about the first student residence, In 1936, the first skirmish, the outbreak of the Spanish Civil War, took place across the street from that first residence. On that first day in the afternoon, when bullets were already flying, one of the young students was sitting in one of the rooms that looked out onto the street, and then thus across the street to the army barracks where the war had broken out. And he was there very calmly writing a letter. St. Josemaria came in, saw him and said in a very calm voice, you know, why don't you move to a different room? Because there are bullets flying out there, some of them grazing the building. So go finish your letter in another room. Well, that kind of, of calmness and serenity, even in the midst of let's face it, unusual situation, is the stuff of magnanimity and of courage. The fact is that every generation must contend with difficulties. It is our lot on this earth. These stories from the lives of magnanimous people, they help us to visualize how to maintain our focus on what really counts and not get slowed down by distractions that could risk stifling our noblest dreams. Each one of us now in our own prayer, perhaps there come to mind different situations, different difficulties that, that could slow us down or get us all turned upside down. But then we, we stop and think, well, what about these great heroes of history? How can I learn from them? At the risk of going over the limit for anecdotes in a single meditation, we can consider an extraordinary person from the early days of the existence of the United States. Her name was Abigail Adams. Abigail was the wife of John Adams. John Adams was a lawyer in a small town outside of Boston, who was one of the, one of the protagonists of the independence of the United States, and one of the architects of the form of government, and uh, just a very important player. But above all, he was the lucky husband of Abigail. Well, shortly after independence, John Adams was sent from Braintree, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston, to Paris. So imagine, with all due respect to 18th century Boston, but to imagine someone being airlifted or boat lifted from Boston to Paris. He couldn't believe it. He was so impressed, he was overwhelmed, that he wrote back to his son, 
whose name was John Quincy Adams. The name might ring a bell. His son was 17 years old, getting ready to go off to college to the faraway town of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Well, in that letter, John Adams said to his son, Son, you've got to come over. The experience of Paris will be very important for you. It will open your eyes. It will be extraordinary. So come. Well, John Quincy, he moaned and groaned. He thought to himself, you know, I can't stand the thought of spending three weeks on a ship. I would much rather stay home, mark my clothes, get ready to go off to college. I'm not going. Well, thank goodness Abigail was on hand, and thank goodness she decided to lower the boom. And thank God she had a tremendous skill at writing. So she sat down and penned a letter to her son. That is the stuff, it is a genuine call to greatness. She said to her son, these are the times in which a genius would wish to live. It is not in the still calm of life or the repose of a Pacific station that great characters are formed. The habits of a vigorous mind are formed in contending with difficulties. Great necessities call out great virtues. When a mind is raised and animated by scenes that engage the heart, then those qualities that would otherwise lay dormant wake into life and form the character of the hero and the statesman. So get over there. Well, John Quincy went. He spent time in Paris with his father and then Subsequently, some years later, John Adams became President of the United States, and sometime after that, his son John Quincy Adams became President of the United States. Well, we give thanks to Abigail for having taken the time to, to write such an extraordinary letter, because that letter is feeding each one of us right now in our own prayer. When a mind is raised and animated by scenes that engage the heart, then those qualities that would otherwise lay dormant wake into life. We can say to the Holy Spirit right now, I really have no idea of the hitherto undiscovered qualities that I have. But maybe, given certain difficult situations that are out there right now, maybe this is it. This is my chance to discover this hidden greatness in me. This is a chance for us to be ready for great undertakings and to pass on to the young ones. Now, all of us are young ones, but you know what I mean. Pass on to them this great openness, eagerness, for great ideals. At the same time, we have to warn people of the danger of hedging their bets. I mean, let's face it, it is possible 
to be so careful and so cautious and I don't know and I'm not sure and let me think about it, that at the end of one's life they're still thinking about it and nothing has happened. You might recall a very important passage in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, a passage that happened to be greatly appreciated by Abigail Adams and her husband John, where Shakespeare says, There is a tide in the affairs of men, which, taken at the flood, leads on to fortunes. Omitted, all the voyage of their life is bound in the shallows and in miseries. And we must take the current when it serves, or lose our ventures. It's a very fancy, very eloquent way of saying, when we see something that responds to our noblest ideals, we have to know how to seize the day. We have to know how to play Everything we have on that one card, as St. Josemaria loved to say. How to really and truly give ourselves unstintingly. Because if we don't, as Shakespeare says, if omitted this attitude of grabbing on to that opportunity, all the voyage of our life ends up being bound in the shallows. And we lose our ventures. It's all too easy to stay in the shallow end of the pool, the waiting, the waiting pool. And so we hear our Lord himself saying, as he said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep. Enough of sticking around the shallow waters. We finish by asking Our Lady on this great feast, this great anniversary, for a great heart and for the strength to devote ourselves unstintingly to what is truly worthwhile. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.